This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 196 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is The Light on the Lampstand. Our feature text is Sang's Gospel Q 1133. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a hidden place, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Our companion texts are Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, Luke eleven thirty three. no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. And Gospel of Thomas 33, 2-3, for no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel, nor does he put it in a hidden place. Rather, he puts it on a lampstand so that everyone who comes in goes out and goes out will see the light. This week's saying appears in all three of the Gospels that we've been using as our companion text this year. And Matthew and Thomas both focus on the followers of Jesus' teachings being light. Uh, Luke, as we'll see next week, uh, warns about what we call light really being the spreading of darkness. And and we'll discuss the relevance of Luke's saying in today's Western Christianity in, in more detail in our next podcast next week. But uh, Matthew's focus, let's talk about Matthew for just a second. Uh, what I want us to notice first this week is an emphasis uh, that, that some would be uncomfortable with. The focus of the saying is not on, on Jesus being the light of the world, but rather on Jesus's followers being a, a source of light for the world. And you can uh, contrast John 8, 12 with Matthew 5, 14. And the, more, uh, the, the, John, the Gospel of John is more focused on Jesus being the light of the world. The, the Synoptic Gospels are more focused on uh, uh, Jesus's followers being the light of the world. And in Luke, Jesus is warning about uh, those who claim to be light becoming a source of darkness in the world. And how often have status quo complicit Christians uh, been found on the wrong side of history? I think that bears out Luke's concern. But the statement is just as troubling for those who, who object uh, that Jesus is the light of the world, not us. Uh, this objection comes from a desire, I think, to, to, to uplift Jesus to a hero status, a, a position some people feel is, is threatened if we focus on being light rather than pointing to Jesus as the light. And another possible uh, root of discomfort 
with this saying is the belief that, that we're incapable of doing anything good or that Jesus has to do it all. This is a destructive belief, and it's taught in some sectors of Christianity uh, that, that too, it's too often uh, it's used to lull Christians back into a position of passivity uh, after they've been convicted or, or moved to action. I, I witnessed this recently when speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. After my presentation, the pastor of, a ch- of the church I was speaking at got up and told the congregation that everything I had just spoken of, what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, was impossible uh, for any of us to do, and Jesus must do it for us. But but what we have the we do have the power to think and to do. We have the power to make choices. And I, I've wondered why many atheists accomplish more in societal justice than some fundamentalist Christians do. Womenist writers such as Alice Walker, I, I think, have rightly captured the same universal truth that Jesus, uh, in this, at least in saying Gospel Q, taught that we are the ones we've been waiting for. Jesus in saying Gospel Q is not preaching uh, sit back and, and, and let me do everything. Jesus, fo- Jesus focuses on creating a community rooted in ethics and values that center the experiences of the vulnerable and the marginalized in his own society. And, and, that, and, it call, and then he calls his community to make better choices. He believes that those following him can actually do better. They can be different. And he shows them the way, casting before their mind's eye what a path that is genuinely, holistically better uh, what that could look like for them. And in her volume, Sisters in the Wilderness, uh, the, the Challenge of Womanist God Talk, uh, Dolores Williams writes, it seems more intelligent and more scriptural to understand that redemption had to do with God through Jesus, giving humankind new vision to see the resources for positive, abundant relational life. Redemption had to do with God through the ministerial vision, giving humankind the ethical thought and practice upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. Hence, the kingdom of God theme in the ministerial vision of Jesus does not point to death. It is not something one has to die to reach. Rather, the kingdom of God is a metaphor of hope that God gives those attempting to right the relations between self and self, between self and others, and between self and God, as preached in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Golden Rule, and the commandment to show love above all else. That's pages 130 and 131. And this way that Jesus showed his followers is a, is, it's a way of survival, of resistance, of liberation, of transformation and restoration. And in short, it's salvation, not a post-mortem non-smoking section salvation, but a present, concrete, life-right-now salvation rooted in the context of community together. And Luke's emphasis, if we move to that, Luke doesn't focus exclusively on Jesus's followers being the light of the world. Luke jumps straight to the absurdity of of hiding a recently lit lamp when the obvious intent of lighting the lamp in the first place is to share the light with everybody. At this stage of Luke's version of the Jesus story, Jesus is, well, pressure is beginning to mount uh, upon Jesus. And the number of those 
positively resonating with Jesus's teachings is continuing to grow, and the elite class in society is beginning to to feel the threat of the momentum among the economically exploited. And this saying may also reflect, I think, a temptation growing in Jesus himself to hide his own light. When those in places of privilege begin to feel threatened, they can be quite effective at, at threatening those they, they deem responsible for that threat. So, so Jesus was, was choosing life, and he was encouraging and showing others how to thrive and survive and to transform the world into a just and compassionate home for everyone. And, and, and this vision of life involved changes for, uh, for those benefiting by the way life was already structured in, in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus was choosing life, and he was about to be threatened with death if he didn't lie down and roll over and, and, and go back into the shadows. In the volume, Christianity, Patriarchy, and Abuse, edited by uh, Joan Carlson Brown and Carol R. Uh, bone, uh, Joan Carlson Brown and, and Rebecca Parker, they write, it is not the acceptance of suffering that gives life. It is a commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not am I willing to suffer, but do I desire fully to live? The distinction is subtle and to some spacious, but uh, specious. But in the end, it makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. That's page 18. Jesus was not choosing a path of death. Jesus was choosing life. And when being beginning to feel uh, threatened and, and pressured to hide his light, Jesus made the courageous choice to hold on and, and to not let go. The cross was not Jesus' path to life. The cross was the what the status quo responded to Jesus with. It was the cross and, and the fear of death that, that the elite used to intimidate Jesus into letting go of his hold on life. And Jesus kept holding on. He could see where what he was teaching and, and the sector of society that he was choosing to, to side with would lead. And he had the courage to, to keep doing it. He chose not to hide his light but to, to share light, just like he spoke of, of power and resources, to share those with everyone. And, and, and let's talk about your light for a moment this week. Luke and Matthew, uh, they both ask, what, what does taking hold of life look like to you? D does your taking hold of, uh, of life cause others around you uh, to feel their own place of privilege in society threatened? Uh, Jesus shared his, his vision of a world where everyone thrives with equity, with justice, and with compassion. And the Jewish concept of shalom uh, describes a wholeness that involves everyone. And genuine shalom is not present until we all together have shalom. And not just us, but also every living thing. But, but in a world where one believes only a limited number of people can thrive, uh, someone else taking hold of life threatens one's own thriving because resources are, in our mind's eye, limited. So someone in this position doesn't believe the earth provides enough for every person's need, as Gandhi taught, but, or is reported as teaching. But they believe that there's not enough to go around, and that if we each let go of our, our hoarded power and resources, we'll go without. Jesus instead imagined a world where we all have enough power. And does a fear of loss keep you from shining your light? Is there something that intimidates you into hiding your light under a basket rather than, than sharing 
unquantifiable light with everyone. And while, while recently reading Stephen Greenbaum's The Interfaith Alternative, Embracing Spiritual Diversity, I was moved by these words, and I want to share them with you this week. The, the truth is that none of us can control what kind of splash we make in the world, let alone how big or small the splash will be. Perhaps our coming and our passing will cause no splash at all, just the smallest of ripples. To be a human being is to have an opportunity. But as we all, as, as we well know, it is not equal opportunity. Some people are born with great wealth, some in devastating poverty. Some are born with robust health, some must fight just to live from the moment they enter the world. And sometimes we stumble, no matter how hard we try. But life, all life, is an opportunity nonetheless. And it is what we do or do not do with, with, with that opportunity that defines us. For me, the clouds parted and I could make a, a, at least some sense of meaning when I could visualize a great scale with compassion and justice forming one side and self-centeredness and injustice the other. None of us knows how much we'll be able to add to the scales. For that, to a large extent, is a matter of chance. But we do control, we alone, each of us, every day, to which side of the scale we will make that day's contribution. It may be a moat of dust, a twig, a pebble, or a huge boulder. Again, the size of our contribution may be beyond our control. But whatever the size of our contribution, every day we add something to those scales, compassion and justice, or self-centeredness and injustice. I deeply believe that in the end, it is not how much we add to the scales, but to which side of the scales we have added it. And that's page 100 through 101. So this week, in the name of advancing compassion and justice in our world and being a light, uh, may this week's saying encourage you, even if others threaten you and attempt to silence your voice, to, to, to move you, to, to hide your light. Let your light shine. Sayings Gospel Q 1133, no one lights a lamp and puts it hidden in a hidden place, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Heart group application. Last week, I asked you to brainstorm and to make a list, uh, as, as a group, a list of some of the goals you would like to accomplish in the coming year. And in our work of, of compassion and justice, consider uh, Greenenbaum's words above. Whatever the size of your, your group's contribution, just ensure that you're contributing to the right side of the scales. And number one, pick three goals from your list last week. Number two, uh, begin getting informed regarding each one. And this could involve coming alongside those already at work in those areas of justice and compassion. Um, There are other ways you can become informed as well. And once you feel comfortable with your level of understanding about each goal, uh, to the degree that you feel you can, define what, what meeting each goal would look like in tangible, concrete ways. And this last step may lead you to go back and, and pick another goal as well, and that's okay. Uh, however your list uh, takes shape, uh, make sure these are the goals you're, you're well informed about and that these goals, these are goals that, that, that can be defined by your group as a whole uh, once that goal is met. And as this year is drawing to a close and, and another year is about to open before us, 
I'm overwhelmed with how many of you are, are, are journeying with us right now. Thank you so much for showing up each week. I'm grateful to be on this journey with you and to know that together we can make a difference. Till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. If you celebrate Christmas, this is Christmas weekend coming up. We've got one more week. If you don't, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, if you don't celebrate any holidays, uh, pull a friend aside, pull a, a family member aside, give them a hug, spend some time together, celebrate at least the end of a year and the the transfer into a new year, a new year that uh, is going to require a lot of work, uh, but uh, we hope will uh, add to that scale of compassion and, and justice for everyone. Remember, I love each one of you dearly. Keep loving, living in love, and I'll see you next week. Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that we feel are making both systemic and and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those already supporting our work, again, thank you. Together we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.